Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsign with you here on, what day is it? Friday. Oh, it's Friday the 13th. What the hell are we thinking? Uh, Allison Lucan is here. We're back. Tom Reed is not. Tom Reed is all over the world's favorite football team right now, the Cleveland Browns. He will be with us this season, just on hiatus right now. Uh, Blue Jackets training camp is underway. The Blue Jackets did just that god-awful run and biking yesterday. Not a fun day for the players. Today will be a little, yeah, I hesitate to say that, on-ice testing today, not so great either. But Saturday, Sunday, Monday, it's going to start to feel more like hockey. And the preseason opener, of course, is on Tuesday. Um, Allison, I hope you had a great summer. Hope you're ready to, to jump into this. There's also already all kinds of stuff going on. Marcus Hanekainen has been late for training camp now, two out of the last three years. It hasn't been his fault either time. Um, hoping to have more on that in the coming days about what he's gone through with this. But he is now in camp. So found out yesterday that he would be flying to Columbus overnight and is expected to be here today. So until we see him, you can't really quite count on that, but he should be here uh, and there, uh, otherwise, news otherwise, uh, it's been, you know, there's been a couple of bumps and bruises. Liam Foodie uh, is out with an upper body injury. Stefan Matteau, an AHL Cleveland guy, is recovering from a knee injury. Uh, but on the whole, everyone's here. Zach Wierenski is here, having signed his contract in training camp, uh, is set to begin. Lots of storylines, lots of new stuff, lots of competition in the wake of some pretty prominent players, as you may have heard, departing as free agents. Allison, what's your energy level about this team and what's up with this team and the, the new faces and new places, if you will, if you look at their lineup? I think it's like super intriguing, but I wonder where you come in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, it's funny. I think this group is perhaps more focused on just getting to it than – than even they have in a while, and that's mainly because they are sick and tired of talking about this summer, the departures, the expectations. Um, they seem, you know, really keyed in, and I also think there's a sense of comfort, if, if that's the right word, because there really isn't a ton of change yet in this group, right? I mean, the core is here. There's, there's one new face in Gustav Nyquist that we know for sure. Um, the, we got Elvis, of course, but this isn't a, a big overhaul season just yet. Um, so it's, it seems it, it, there's a lightness too. There's not this, there's not all the big questions that we had at this time last year. Yeah. Big, ugly questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what I think is fascinating, I've been scratching this for a couple of days now in my mind. I can't remember, I can't think of a team. Um, that could lose starting the number one goaltender, 40, 40 win guy, a point a game forward, and by for them a number one center. And then you could say with straight face and and perfectly um, straightforward, true, they haven't lost the core of their team. Like really, the core of the team wasn't touched. Bobrovsky, a goaltender, is is sort of, you know, in his own little world. That's not a shot at him. That's just how goalies are. They're not calling the meetings and confronting people and, 
and not part of the leadership group usually. They don't typically wear letters. I think Luongo did, but very few others have. Um, Panarin was in his own little world too, friendly with everybody, but not a leader in the room. I don't think anyone has ever said that. Certainly a leader on the ice. Um, and, and Duchesne was here for maybe two and a half months. It's, it's amazing to me because usually those, those huge pieces, when you lose what they lost, you're also looking at a situation in the dressing room where it's like, who's the cat, who's going to be the captain now, right? Who are the leaders of this team. Who does this team run through? Um, I think it runs through Seth Jones and Cam Atkinson and Nick Felino now. Yeah, yeah. I do. But and those guys are still here. And I think what pisses them off as much as anything is they have a really damn good core here. And that's still here. And people are are assuming that because Panarin and Bobrovsky are gone, that's it for these guys. That's it. They're done. And I think that gets to the core of what really pisses them off. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I think the case in point, the the perennial example of this for me, with all due respect, has been Cam Atkinson. You know, when I listen or read to, to national media, and I, I get it. I get the narrative that's out there. But Cam Atkinson had 41 goals last year. Yeah. He, he had 30-plus goals the year before Panarin came in. Right. And when I hear media talk about the team and say, you know, well, Pierre-Luc Dubois should take a step forward, Zach Wierenski should take a step forward, Alexander Tessier, which are all valid cases. But it is legitimately shocking to me how little I hear Cam Atkinson's name for what he's accomplished yeah, on right. the ice. And, and, and I agree with you. I think that they're fired up about it. And, and I think what's interesting, too, and, and you and I both wrote about the meetings and, and the drama that this group had to manage last year, I think as much as it may have sucked in the process, that really galvanized them and helped them grow as leaders. Seth Jones, who you mentioned, like this is a guy who was challenged to say, keep this ship on course right? and did, and is now positioned to be an even stronger leader, let alone player than he was last year. And, and that's huge for, for this group. Yeah. And I think this has been sort of, if not stated, it's been implied in all of their comments. I think this team was ready for Bob to, to move on. Yeah, agree. Like, I, and I'll, I'm not, I'm not just saying that. Um, it's not sour grapes. So I'll get back to the to the other side of that. I think they were done with. They lug. They they respect Panarin. I think for the way he handled things more than Bob. Mm-hmm. But I think they're okay with that sideshow leaving town too, because it just got to the point where it it was beyond what was really important. Like we're focusing way too much on, and we had to, but the talk all of last year is what are these two guys going to do? And I think there are a lot of people here who are prideful enough to really want to show the world that it's not, it wasn't just those two guys. I was a little surprised yesterday when Oliver Bjorkstrand was asked a question um, that dealt with, with Panarin. It may have been, he's asked a few. I asked him, how, you know, if he ever noticed or if he learned from Panarin how he was able to avoid ever getting really hit hard. Right, right. And he started talking a little bit and then he stopped and said, I don't want to talk about that guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, whoa, Oliver Bjorkstrand. Um, so all of that's there. I think the, the heavy, heavy doubt from people, I don't think people think Nick Felino's not a good player. 
I think they think Cam Atkinson's a, a really good player. I don't think he's given as much respect as he's deserved, as you said. I think people think Pierre-Luc Dubois is a hell of a hockey player. Mm-hmm. I've never met anybody who doesn't think, think Seth Jones is one hell of a hockey player. And Wierenski. Right. You can get on here. But it is a not small question what's going on in goal. Totally. And, and if uh, we, I've said this before. When Rob Gronkowski retires and the, Atlanta, and the New England Patriots trade for a tight end, no one's heard of this tight end. But if the New England Patriots want him, damn, he must be good. Right. That must be a hell of a player. If the It was this way with the Red Wings years ago when they brought in Datsuk and, and Zetterberg that no one had ever seen play before. You knew they were good because the Red Wings were turning stuff over to them. You knew it. The Blue Jackets haven't earned that yet. These two goaltenders haven't earned that yet. People don't know. Eunice Corposalo has been okay at times as a backup. He's had a nice stretch of play a couple of years ago when Bob was hurt. It's possible that he's a really good goaltender. Some would say it's likely that he's going to be a good goaltender. But you don't know yet. Elvis Merzlikens has shown all he can show outside of the NHL. There's a lot to like about this kid, but you don't know. He's never played in the NHL. If that position isn't adequate, if it's not average, they're in a world of hurt. And I think there's a lot of people who are really are just unsure of those two names. I hear I couldn't tell you how many times this summer on July 1st people were saying, which goalie are the Blue Jackets going to sign? Right, right. They're not going to sign. What? Who the hell's going to play with Corpus Allo? Elvis Mers- Who is Elvis Merzlikens? Right. Like, they just don't know. Um, and nobody knows. So I think that's the hesitation from a lot of people to say if, if this club can even remain competitive this year. Uh, and I don't fault them for that because it's not a small, not a small question. You know, it's not, and it's funny, and, and I agree. I mean, whenever people ask me what the question mark is for this team, that is my answer. Mm-hmm. But isn't it interesting that the Blue Jackets are also a team who brought in a little-known goaltender named Sergei Bobrovsky, right? right? And what's interesting is that, again, there's, there's, about, there's a question of being on the radar and people paying attention, but Sergei Bobrovsky wasn't anything great when he came into Columbus, perception-wise. And right. what's interesting, you know, I have said, too, about Corposalo and Merzlikens, if they can just be league average, I think the team will be okay. And part of that is the contrast is that when Sergei Bobrovsky was brought in, this team desperately needed him, right? I mean, they, they get into that, that lockout shortened season. I mean, they're, they're looking at kissing the playoffs purely because of Sergei Bobrovsky. Yes. This is a different team in front of the goaltenders now. They have more firepower. They are stronger sure. defensively. So yeah. this is a group that could really bring in strong goaltending talent and be supported by a stronger core in front if, if if this front office gets it right, again, this is a group that can, I think, surprise a lot of people. Yeah. And I th- I mean, I do. I think Yunus Corposalo can be a, a really good goaltender if he can iron out his, his um, issues with allowing maybe a goal a game where you go, ooh, yeah, he wants, he wants that one back. Yeah. Like, and maybe that comes. I It makes perfect sense that it's playing so irregularly mm-hmm. that it was really hard to do that. 
Um, I, you tried not to get too caught up in the personality of the player, but I've covered sports long enough to be around people where you go, there's something about that dude. Yeah. And Elvis Merzlikens has that something about that dude. And I know people, I think, I'm, I think what's going to be pushed here is the narrative that he's crazy and funny and weird and wild. And I get all that. It's entertaining as hell. I think for his sake, I hope what doesn't get pushed behind all of that is the fact that he's competitive as hell and works his ass off. Yeah. I mean, that's, it was, I mean, he's, he's a little bit like torts in that you, he talks for five minutes, which is often on the short end for him. We're learning so far and yeah. you've got 18 things you can talk about. But, right. you, and, and I put out a series of tweets yesterday too. He was telling these stories. They were funny. He was engaging. They were entertaining. But to your point at the core, they were all about how this guy never lets up. He wants to be the best. Being okay is not okay. The day before yesterday was an off day for the guys who had been in Traverse City. What did he do? He went to the gym and did a workout because he doesn't want to take a day off. He Ever. wanted, he, I mean, the story about the 12 minute run alone, we were all like just looking at each other as he told the story and that he, he tracked out a two mile course over in Lugano, ran it with his coach. Did, screwed, did, up, screwed up the distance, so he didn't like his yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't like his time. They redo the course. It had to be an out and back. He wasn't willing to do laps. It had to be an out and back. And he doesn't like his time, so he runs it every day for five days. Now, think about it. We know that these guys were gassed yesterday. He, ran, he tries to run a sub-12-minute, two-mile two run for five days straight, and by the end of it, he's 30 seconds under the deadline like that's insane it is it is but it, he's not a small guy no but it, no, he's, he doesn't have a runner's build that's for sure but this i mean this is a guy who at his core and we're i think it's right to say focus on the competitiveness because it really bubbled up for me yesterday like yeah. he's intense and and yeah. he wants to be the best and, and he's funny and he's quirky and he's got a personality but there's a lot more meat to what drives that than just personality, if you will. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like that kid is, is uh, destined for something. Yeah. Really, really good. Uh, a little bit of news yesterday from, from camp. Josh Anderson allowed that his right shoulder uh, injured in round two versus Boston. Was that a Chara hit, Allison? I, uh, the, the Chara was Bjorkstrand. I can't remember who hit Anderson, I think. Chara smoked Riley Nash, too, didn't he? He did. Damn, Chara. Leave him alone. <laughs> um, is still not 100%, which is shocking. It certainly didn't didn't require surgery. But he, uh, just from his words, he thought it would be wrapped up within a couple of weeks or a month after the season. Uh, he, Josh Anderson needs his shoulders to play, yeah. if, if you've ever seen him play. Um, the fact that he's, down, that he's down to one, I think, really hampered them in the Boston series. And and the fact that it's still bothering him, I think, is a bit of a worry if you're them. Um, I'm not sure he should play more than a, a preseason game or two, but we'll leave that, of course, <laughs> to the coaches. Your thoughts on, on the impact of, of that and, and where that might be going? Yeah, I, I, too, was shocked that, A, he was so forthcoming about it, and B, that, that it was an issue. But, you know, I think it's important to remember 
the shoulder isn't just one muscle. I mean, there's a lot yes. going on in your shoulder. There's a lot of ligaments, yeah, yeah. a lot of muscles doing a lot of things there. And, and I don't want to presume to know the true diagnosis, but the one comment that Josh made was that there were just a lot of little tears. And depending on if that's a lot of different muscles, that's a lot of different rehab and consideration you have to do to yeah. get all those muscles healthy. So, um, he, you're right. He needs his shoulder. They've got to make sure he is physically and in terms of mentally confident in that shoulder, a hundred percent, um, for this season. This is a guy who is a huge part of the forecheck, which is how Torts wants this team to play. This yep. is a guy who brings offensive firepower. Um, they should play him the minimum and make sure that he's good to go. He did tell us, we asked that he did in fact pass his physical. Yep. So I don't want people to think we're saying that the shoulder, he's, it's hanging on by one tendon or anything like that, but it's swinging. <laughs> but uh, the focus on getting him to 100% should be a, a big priority, and I'm sure it is for this group. I remember Nathan Horton saying that his shoulder, at the end of his time with Boston, popped out so many times and in so many sort of um, innocuous ways that he would come back to the bench, and there were several guys on the bench that could help him oh. readjust it back in, into place. Oh. That's how loose it was before he had the surgery. Ooh. Now, this is nothing like that. Right. <laughs> that should, right. Shouldn't even have gone there. This is nothing like that. Josh said it feels almost a, it, it feels almost 100% with a smile. Right. So it's bothering him a little bit. Um, but maybe he dials it back for the first little while here. Um, you mentioned their forechecking. I think it's going to have to be more ferocious now than it was. I think uh, Tortorella has spoken openly about a different style of play uh i and i nobody exactly wants to say it but i think the safest death sign is down from the room <laughs> this is not a team that can trade chances with with opponents now they don't want to trade chances with the opponents i think they want to make life easier uh on their goaltenders but i also think they they acknowledge that not having panarin around means not being able to capitalize on as many chances so the chances they create have to be less risk, more effort, more grind, more uh, deflections, rebounds, battering ram stuff. And I'm wondering, Allison, you study this stuff. Is this – you're obviously taking Panarin out of the mix. You're taking Duchesne out of the mix. Is this team just mo built more for this style of play anyways? You're talking – Felino, Dubois, and Anderson, and all these cats, are they just built for this style? Is this a more realistic style for them anyways? Yeah, I mean, you've, you've brought this up for a couple years, Porty, is that, you know, and the catch here is that one can argue that to truly go for the cup, you do need an elite player. Um, and I think that's why we have the concern about players who've left. But you brought this up for a while that the, this group kind of got stuck in an identity crisis, right? Because yes. of, of the balance. And I, I do think that the attitude and the style of how these players play feed the description that you're saying. And then what happens is you get your guys down there pushing, grinding, cleaning up the, the garbage in front of the net that's when a Cam Atkinson layers over that and brings the skill, right? Where he can, he can get lost and then be there to, to snipe it from the right side. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, this is, this is the group that we saw go on a 16 game win streak. 
Um, and it was just, I'm going to plow you over and I'm going to control this game. And even with the elite talent that they had last year, I don't, and I, I believe we talked about this. We never felt that maybe until the Tampa series, right? So um, there's, there can be a different feel to these games. And I think that also feeds the energy and the attitude of where this team is right now too, quite frankly. Yeah. And none of these players, Seth Jones was adamant about this. Nobody wants to stop to, to be a, a neutral zone trap. Right. Um, lull people to sleep and pounce on them like a, you know, like a Jacques Lemaire, Minnesota wild team in the early aughts. And I don't think it's that like the, the brand of the style of play it is the playoffs. So there's that, but the style of play against Tampa Bay was not in any way boring. No, but it, it demanded that Tampa Bay pay a price to move the puck forward. It demanded that they pay a price for every inch of ice. They realized they could not trade chances with that Tampa Bay team and win because there's just too much Kucherov, Stamkos, all those guys. So let's get into a situation where we're not trading uh, chances with them, where they have to earn their chances. And in their impatience to earn their chances, we're going to create offense. And they're going to make mistakes. Exactly. And I think, you know, and I think what I think too is this. I'm really intrigued because my read on this is I've talked to Zacharinsky about this and Seth Jones. This does not mean that, to your point about the neutral zone, this does not mean that the defense all backs up into the defensive zone and sits back and just is shut down. I think this is where more than ever that mobile back end that they have, those rovers and then maybe rover lights that, that are in some of the younger guys too, the key there is, as the saying goes, the best offense is a good defense. So don't let the puck in the zone. When the puck comes in the defensive zone, immediately with control, get it out of the zone. And yeah. these are things that you know Seth and Zach and Ryan Murray in particular are so good at. And you know both Seth and Zach said, this isn't about changing our defensive style. It's about jumping and, and playing the way we play, but being really smart about it. And so I'm really interested to watch this active defense remain active, but perhaps with a little bit of different processing in, in why they're doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think the, the goal in some cases previously was to overwhelm yeah. teams and leave your back door open to do so sometime. Yeah. What the hell? Bob's back there. Right. Bob's back there. And this may evolve over time where they may say, you know what? Jonas looks like a really good goaltender. He's making three out of every four starts, not stops. Start. <laughs> Elvis looks like a man child who just wants more, more, more. Um, all right, let's, we could, we don't have to be this conservative with it. Open up a little bit more, but I think it's very wise to do this at the start. Um, one thing that I'm really interested in, and this is a long-term question that Allison, you have we did not talk about before the the record button went here. If I don't know that, I think the goaltending is going to change again next year. Hmm. I think they have so many players now, sort of prospects, certainly pushing their way to the top. I don't. You can't keep Corpusalo and Merzlikens very long. Right. One of those, both of those guys, if they become what they think they can become, are going to be starters. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think if Merzlikens looks like he's the real deal, I think Yunus could be moved next summer. If Jonas looks like uh, all he needed was this opportunity, then maybe they move Merzlikens next summer. I think that could be – that's something to watch. I don't think Tarasov – if either of these guys are number one goalies with the Blue Jackets, I assume one of them is going to be, then Daniil Tarasov doesn't have a future in this organization. Then Vini Vevelainen doesn't have a future in this organization. So this is coming to a head. This is why the Blue Jackets didn't go out and sign a free agent goaltender. I'm a, I, I've said this before. I think it's fair. I, I'm a little – if I'm a Blue Jackets fan, I'm a little nervous that there's not a guy in AHL Cleveland that has done it before. Right. That So your safety valve now is a guy that hasn't done it before either. It's Vavalainen. Right. That's a little nervous to me. I think Benny Vavalainen can be a hell of a goalie. Every, I've seen him play a few times now. He looked really damn good. Yeah. He looks really good. His numbers are really good too. It's all there. But I, you would want a guy, like a McElhenney type guy, somebody who has done it before that you can fall back on just for a week or so and give the, the kids a, a breather. And they don't have that. But I understand why they didn't bring a big name in, Jonathan Quick. At some point, you have to realize what you have. And I think this position that they have done so well to stock up through the years, it's going to come to a head and bear fruit here uh, in the next year, next couple of years. And we're just starting to see it arrive at the NHL level now. So that's exciting. I don't know what they're going to do. I get asked this all the time. Are those? How are the goaltenders going to do? I don't know. <laughs> Right. You know I mean? Right. The excitement of this, though, in a went away, and I think I think this town could very well embrace either one or both of those guys. And I don't think it's the end of the world. I I rather think it's the start of a new one. Well, and what's interesting too, I, and I I agree with your bigger picture comment, but we're also entering potentially a, the next new development in the NHL, which is load management for goaltenders. Right. Yeah. We're seeing. Right. We're not seeing a, a 65, 25, whatever the balance is, split as much with goaltenders. I mean, look at Bennington, right? He didn't play a full season. Look at Boston even. Look at these teams that split the net. So particularly at the price point that the Blue Jackets have their goaltending right now, maybe they do ride this for a couple years and, and explore that idea of load management to right. keep these guys fresher longer. Now, long-term, you can't do that. You're absolutely correct. Um, but, but this could be an interesting testing ground to see if that's the new trend in the league. Yeah, it's interesting. At, when the Red Wings won a couple of cups with, with um, sort of underappreciated goaltenders, that became to GMs. And I'm, I've heard this a lot this summer. Hey, Bennington did it. Right, right, right. Right. It became you load up with your team, you put a B plus goalie in there, and you see what happens. Right. That's what the people thought of Chris Osgood when the Red Wings won their cups. Osgood's like the nicest, coolest dude in the world. He's like, No, go ahead, tell me about that. Tell me about how I'm an average goaltender as I Paul <laughs> Exactly. Um, but that was the became the thing. And I it's amazing to me how we think this is where the league is going. And then the Blues win the Stanley Cup, and everybody goes, whoa. Like, now it's been used to justify all kinds of question marks 
on your roster. Hey, no one thought so-and-so could play, won the Stanley Cup last year. Well, but I, I mean, I do think there is, I mean, the goaltending experts have been talking about this for a while, about what the proper wear and tear is on the body, right? Yeah. So, sure. the, and I mean, we see it in the NBA, we see it in other sports, and I don't think the NHL will ever go this route for skaters, but there could, if you could swing it, there could be value to more evenly splitting your goaltending time between two capable players. Yeah, well, the Islanders, the Hurricanes showed that last year. Right. Minnesota showed it for years in the 2000s when they first started playing and had two really good goalies, Rolison and Fernandez. Uh, yeah, it's been it's it's been done for sure. And I, I think Eunice gets the ball here early, mm-hmm. right? And I think they sort of dabble Elvis in and let him get some, some breathers. Uh, but, you know, I'll be interested to see where this goes. It's, something, it's going to be really interesting to see this play out. I'm, I'm rejuvenated by this, to be honest with you. Um, uh, I think yeah. the best. All right. Well, Allison, thanks for your time. Anything else we need to get to here? Um, maybe just tease what's what's coming up with the podcast and, and the next week in Blue Jackets land? This podcast. So as you may have noticed, the podcast has not been available through the site. It's been sort of out there SoundCloud right there. That's Allison. correct. Yes. Um, well, it, the, the Athletic, of course, has done um, a pretty substantial thing with its podcast now. It's starting its own daily podcast that covers the entire the entirety of the sports world with one main topic a day if you're familiar with the new york times the daily this is sort of the sports version of this called the lead and so that's going to begin i believe next week uh perhaps the blue jackets and the, the blue jackets will be a topic on the lead someday Ooh. wouldn't that be interesting um but it, our own little podcast this one you're listening to here front and nationwide uh, will be brought into the site uh, within the month, probably the first week of October, the start of the season. Uh, we're still going to do two a week. One of them will be available to the public without a subscription, outside the paywall, as they say. The other will be, have content that is only behind the paywall. Now, we're not sure if we're going to do Mondays, Thursdays, or Tuesdays, Fridays, but we're still going to do two a week. If you're a subscriber, nothing changes. If you're not, one a week will be available. The other will be used as a tease to maybe make you take that plunge that so many have already taken. Um, so stay tuned for information on that. Uh, it will still be front and nationwide. It'll just be available through the site, much more convenient uh, than it is right now. Um, did I cover all of that, Allison? Nailed it. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, thanks so much for uh, listening. It's uh, Friday here. We're going to head out to the rink and gather more stuff for you. Skate testing today, not the most thrilling thing, especially if you're a player. <laughs> uh, but the, the true hockey is back, and it will begin soon. So thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon. 